Hello, this is your host, Cheryl C. Jones, with a warning. This podcast contains true stories of individual genius that may inspire you to take action in your own life. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to Getting the Best Results podcast, where each week we talk about shortcuts or techniques that will help you get the best results in life and business. It's all about learning a new method or approach, or possibly an insight or an idea that will contribute to your life in a positive way. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones. I'm an author, facilitator, and professional speaker. My focus is is on helping individuals and small businesses break through their common thinking to create bigger, better, bolder results. You can find me at simplythebestresults.com, where you can also find lots of resources to help you break through. Now let's get on with this week's show. This week we're talking about how to write a book, and my guest is Anne Lovett Baird. Anne has been writing since she was a teenager. She credits her writing success to good mentors and editors through the years, several writing courses she's taken, and the love for reading. As a seasoned writing consultant with over 25 years of experience, her current focus is on ghostwriting books for business people and professionals. Anne has a business degree from the University of Texas at Austin, which enables her to write intelligently on a number of business topics. Anne is the CEO of Lovett Enterprises, LLC, based in Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Anne. Hello, Cheryl. How are you today? Doing great, thank you. We're so glad you joined us today because writing a book is so many people's dreams. In fact, it was mine until a year ago. (laughs) <laughs> and had had been for a very long time when I finally got my own book produced. But boy, this is going to be a subject that a lot of people are going to be interested in. But before we get down into the good stuff, I want to know a little bit more about your background. You know, we've been friends for a really long time, but you know, I don't know what you've been doing with yourself for the last say, 10 years. (laughs) So why don't you kind of give us kind of the the short version overview of your professional experience and kind of what brings us up to date now? Sure. Uh, Well, I have uh, worked in corporate America, uh, specifically in learning and development, for over 25 years. And in there, you know, I've done a lot of instructional design, which is about design you know, designing what does a training or a learning venue need to look like so that the learner gets what they need in out of that learning or training. Um, so that required good writing skills. And about 10 years ago, I started ghostwriting for clients and also doing what I call a developmental edit. And um, so the developmental edit, what that is, if someone's written their book and maybe they got stuck or they've written 10,000 words and they want to write 40,000, then I'll come alongside them and help them sometimes go back to the drawing board and plan out what is it you want in your book and your message um, and then help them complete their manuscript and uh, find this very interesting work because there are no two books alike. 
And mm. so, you know, I've written books for business people. I've done a book for a, a doctor of osteopathic medicine on um, how to uh, fix back pain. Also did a mm. book for a lawyer who's an elder care lawyer and has been for 30 years. So what we did with her book, because she didn't want to be a boring, have a boring uh, law book, is we wrote a story based on her 30 years ex- of experience. And so we created the characters, and then, then I could write into the story, well, George drove to the store and couldn't remember how to get home, and so someone had to go <laughs> go get him and bring him back home because, you know, he had to mention that. So it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I really enjoy it, and uh, I learn something new from every book. I bet you do. <laughs> yes, I do. Everything from back pain to Alzheimer's, <laughs> yeah, or and the legalities of that. It's fascinating. Right. What yeah. what started you on your love or path for? I mean, I know you you must have read a lot when you were a kid, but mm-hmm. what started you on your path? toward writing or you know in this case ghostwriting well actually it started back at camp <laughs> i used to write poetry at the camp i went to we had a weekly newspaper and i used to write poetry and I actually won an award for writing poetry and wow. so then in high school um one of my uh teachers had us write in a journal and that really got me started. I mean, literally, Cheryl, I still had high school journals up until about three or four years ago when I <laughs> decided to go digital. And so I scanned or took out of those journals what I thought I might use and and recycled the rest of it. So I just always loved to write, and I, I really love to read as well. So I think mm. that helps when you like to read. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the journals because I recently went to a writer's retreat and mm-hmm. I took one of my old journals that was about, oh, let's see, probably two to three years old. And I thought I might find some gems in there. And sure enough, I brought those little sticky page flags and there must be 15 or 20 sticky page flags yes. sticking out the top of it because there's these little gems of yes. of wisdom and ideas, you right. know. Yeah. It's such good stuff that we don't even realize we have. Right. And, you know, I tell (laughs) authors, if someone comes to me and says, oh, I've always wanted to write a book, my first question to them is, do you have a journal? Because I believe that the book many times comes out of that journal. Somebody might have been journaling, you know, for years, and their book is already in that journal. Now, when I say journaling, I'm not just talking about Dear Diary, today I went to the grocery store. I'm talking more about like your use of gems of thoughts or ideas. That you mm-hmm. Those reflections, that rich, mm-hmm. you know, um, contemplative type stuff. Yeah. I find it was I was funny because a friend, a neighbor friend of mine, said to me, "People give me journals all the time. I hate journals. I hate writing in journals." She said, and I'm like, "What can you not like about journaling?" I was like, "I don't want to write down all that stuff," and I'm like. Maybe you have a different understanding of what it means to journal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, I will say that I have shifted to journaling electronically just because it's easier for me to um, 
mm-hmm. cut and paste that in in the things that I'm writing. Oh. But some people oh. find that limits their creativity. So I say to people, do what works for you. Sometimes that writing by hand for some people generates their creativity. I've been mm-hmm. writing for so long that I can take it from the brain to the keyboard. That's that's great. I still have to, I'm kinesthetic, so I need to write yep. it, and <laughs> and it be slow enough that um yep. you know that I can see where the next thought's going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good a typist, but but I, I'm not saying I type really fast or anything. But yes. yeah, it's just that I get to and I oh and then I get caught up with things not spelled right, and then I lose my total total train of thought. So oh, I um, can give yes. you a I can give you a a little um tip for that. And that is when you're writing, go for it. Don't edit yourself. Because what happens is your left brain is like a guy with a hatchet that's (laughs) hacking on your creative brain, and it stops the flow. So I always tell people, and I learned this years ago, actually, at an ATD conference. A woman who was the speaker uh, wrote a book called The Executive Memo. And ever since then, I've always been careful to advise authors, just keep writing. Don't worry about it. Look at it tomorrow. <laughs> or, um, because that can, that can trip you up. Oh, definitely. I, mm. my, um, my whole book was written longhand. Oh. However, yeah, I know that just sounds crazy, doesn't it? However, every time, if I didn't like a sentence, I just scratched through it and kept going. And, and you, you know, just reworded it. And and if the words weren't spelled right, I'd look at it and go, that doesn't, I'm missing a letter there. I won't, I didn't worry about it. I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have the little red underline that Microsoft puts in there <laughs> when you've misspelled a word, you know, to trip me up. So that seemed to work. My challenge was then putting it into the computer. And yeah. so I found that if I dictated it into my phone mm-hmm. and emailed it to myself, oh. then I could... Brilliant. It worked for me. So I would read what was written on the page, even if all the words weren't there, which quite happens quite often for me. Um, And then I read it into the phone, email it to myself, and then copy and paste that out of the email into a Word document. And that's that was that saved my life because I just I would edit while I was typing. Yeah. So then I went back and edited. So, yeah, it it was a little trick that I figured it out about uh, halfway through the book. (laughs) Would would have nice to have known that. Yeah, or at least I figured it out, right? Well, let's talk about some of the skills and characteristics that have helped you be real successful at being a ghost writer and a copy editor and and a content editor or, or all the roles that you've played and in right. instructional design as well. What are some of the things that are those characteristics that have made you successful? I think the biggest one is that I'm very conceptual. So and I'm very good at taking you can't see me but I'm putting my hands all the way out taking reams of information and condensing it into what needs to be into a training program. Um, We call them learning venues now because so much of learning is now either virtual or e-learning plus classroom and that. The thing is I'm just good at looking at all this information and figuring out, okay, here are the key nuggets, the key concepts, 
um, skills or attitudes that we need to have in a learning venue or a training. And that translates into writing a book. Um, many times I'll have an author that has lots and lots of information, and they have enough information for three books, that often a first-time author wants to put everything in the one book. And so I'm good at helping them figure out, okay, let's think about this book. What is this book's message? Who is your target audience? What do they need to know in order um, for the book to achieve what you want it to achieve for them? So, for example, let's say there's a book um, where you want people to help uh, help people figure out their personal identity or their uniqueness on the planet. Why are they here and what are they supposed to do? So you might have lots and lots of information from different experts, uh, like Lincioni is one that comes to mind, mm-hmm. or are these um, maybe John Maxwell. But the thing is, what do these people need to know in order to help them discover their identity? So so I'm good at, at that. And I think another thing that uh, I've learned through the years is asking good questions. So many times with an author, maybe they've written something and and I'll ask them, why they're saying this, or how does this relate to what you're trying to achieve with the book. The other thing I think I'm good at is helping people identify what we call the golden thread, and that is we the book is tied together. There's this golden thread that runs through the book that helps you segue from one topic to the next. Mm. And so helping people always think, how is this related to what you're trying to achieve? And then the, I think the third thing, or maybe this is the fourth, I lost track, <laughs> is um, uh, standing in the shoes of the reader. And I had this one lady, I helped her write a book on forgiveness, and she had taught on that topic for 30 years or something, and so, um, and she she um, approached it from a Christian standpoint. So in her teaching notes, she'd throw a scripture in there in different places. And so many times I had to ask her, okay, how does this scripture tie into what you're saying? So that she could lead the reader and give them a segue to say, um, this is why this is here or how it attaches to it. So the the thing I believe I'm good at is asking questions to make the author think or make a client think about you know why they mm-hmm. want certain content in a training course or why it's important for someone to learn something or why it's important for this for this information to be in this book. That's fascinating and and I love the part about the golden thread. You know, um, that's a that's a good lesson for all of us. Whether no matter what we're writing, yeah. what is the bottom line? What is it mm-hmm. that you're trying to convey? You know, um, super super duper important. And sometimes I'm sitting there reading something, and I'm like, where are they going with this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
I'm like, uh, and what does that have to do with this? I don't know. The title of it? I'm not sure. Maybe it'll come back around. You know, I keep waiting for it, right? And it doesn't come back around. Right, yeah. right. I I remember, uh, well, many times when I talk to people about building the foundation of a learning program, I describe it like a hat rack. You, your hat rack, it, if you even know what that is, most people some people nowadays probably have never even heard of that. But this is a stand that has hooks on it that come out where you can hang coats and hats and that. And the the deal is that standard is the basis of what your your readers, your target audience know now. So what you're doing is you're adding pieces of content onto it or adding concepts onto it. So I kind of also think about that hat rack as that golden thread. We're just going to add things onto it and carry it through the book. So as you say, you don't feel like you went on a road trip for a a chapter or so. (laughs) Exactly. Yep. It's like, I wonder, and then there's such disappointment when it never comes back around. You know? Yes. It's like, like well, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think That's we have true. to do, we have to make those, those jumps or, or make those connections mm-hmm. for the reader. Yes. Otherwise they're not sure whether or not to continue, you know, exactly. and they have the option, put it down and we don't want them to. Hi, it's Cheryl. We're going to take a little break right here because I want to tell you about my book. It's called Emotional Self-Mastery. It's the best book on regaining personal power, self-confidence, and peace. In it, you'll find 12 practical tools that will help you change your unsupportive thoughts and emotions. You see, when you're able to look at something and see what it is that bothers you, you have the power to change it. And these tools are all about change. You can find my book, Emotional Self-Mastery, on Amazon. And it would mean the world to me if you'd buy a copy. Thanks so much. And now let's get back to the show. Put it down. We want them to read it and then review it really positively. (laughs) Very good point. Yeah. So who's had the biggest influence on you in terms of, your your writing career, if you will, because you've been writing a long time, whether it's, you know, training programs or ghostwriting. Who's had the, who or what has had the biggest influence? Um, you know, that's, that's a kind of a hard question, pardon me. I think that how I learned to ask those really good questions and good follow-up questions, because why that is so key is that Let's say you ask somebody, okay, who's your target audience? That's one of the first questions that I ask an author because many times they say everybody. Well, it isn't everybody. That's not to say that everybody won't benefit from your book. But the thing is, so if I ask them that and then they say, all right, it's women. So then I can ask questions um beyond that to get them to identify, oh, it's women 40 years and older who are in the workforce and have children at home or whatever that ends up being. Mm -hmm. So I say that to give context for where did I learn that. Back in the early 90s, I worked for a boutique um, consulting firm here in the Dallas area. And 
some of the consultants I work with just watching how they would do that. They would ask questions of clients till they got to the bottom of what is it we need to put in this training program. So, so I learned to sit on my hands, if you will, <laughs> ask the questions, listen to the answers very carefully, and then figure out, okay, what, what additional information do I need to know? So I would say those uh, consultants had a great influence on me. And other than that, um, well, I'm going to say Ernest Hemingway, although I haven't wow. read his work in a long time, but I have a tendency to write short sentences, get to the point. Uh, the mm -hmm. books that I've written are not very long because I get right to the point. So in some cases, um, that can work against you. Um, you know, I've had, I even had a, an author I was working with one time who said, Anne, it takes you, it takes me three times as many words to say something as it takes you. And so she was saying she wanted me to make it more wordy, which is unusual <laughs> because usually you want to go the other way. Usually. So, um, yeah. But if you, and I honestly haven't read Hemingway in a while, but I know that he wrote very simple, short sentences. And they're mm -hmm. just easy to follow, especially because of how information is, uh, we're barraged with information all oh, the yeah. time anymore. And so, um, you know, it just helps the human brain sometimes to stay on track with you. If you don't have a sentence where you start the sentence and by the end of it you're going, where did, where were we? <laughs> you might have seen that before in a book you've read. Mm, yes. <laughs> you know, one of the, I was, I remember being in a, um, a book study, study group at a church I was attending, and it was, I think her name, is, the author is Francine Rivers, and she does a lot on women in the Bible, and her sentence, I loved reading her work, because it was, her sentences were short, they were very well developed in terms of creating imagery, so I felt like I was there, and it was just, and they weren't super long books, in fact, the ones that I read were small not quite pocket size, but a little bit bigger, uh, but not giant, you know, not real big books. Mm -hmm. And um, they were just a delight to, to read because her sentences were short and you could follow and they read quickly. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think those longer sentences cause us to kind of get weighed down. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to take apart what's important in the sentence. And, and, and sometimes I notice that I do it too sometimes I put too many concepts in one sentence yes <laughs> too many pieces of information and exactly. it's like what do you want them to focus on Cheryl pay, pay attention <laughs> you so, know as you were I'm, yeah talking I was thinking of something else too um years ago I was doing some volunteer work for a volunteer organization here in Dallas and we had a coach uh for writing for this newsletter and she was a journalist by training, and so she's the one that taught me how to write an active voice versus passive voice. And that is that is um, something that many people, even educated people you will find, have a tendency to write in passive voice as opposed to active voice. So it's sometimes I read something, I can't help myself. I'm thinking this is how this should read. 
Well, and are there any pointers that you could share that would help us stay an active voice? Yes. So here's an example. You could say, over there is where the dog ran. Okay, so so ask yourself, what's the subject? It's the dog, right? Mm -hmm. So So what right. we want is a subject tied to an active verb. So instead of saying, over there is where the dog ran, you could say, the dog ran over there. Gotcha. And that was so really I just clear. think if, if people just think about what's the subject in this sentence and what's the action the subject is taking. The other thing I've found is when people start a sentence with it is or there is, they typically get themselves in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so if you find yourself doing that a lot, it is or there is, that's a habit to get out of. And I think that keeps a lot of people out of trouble. So avoid it is and there is. To okay. start a sentence. Right. To start a sentence. I'm just I'm making notes here, so I will make sure that I don't do that or do it less maybe. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, you know, people do that occasionally or if some sentences I'll leave in there if they're passive voice, but I really try to gear people away from that. Or when I'm writing, I don't write in, I write in active voice. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's more engaging, too, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of for the reader, whether mm -hmm. you write an email or a story or, yeah. you know, a report, it's more, yep. yeah, it brings the people in and it makes mm -hmm. them part of it when you're in that active voice. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any other little tidbits or secrets you might share with us? I think, think that a lot of times, once you've explained a concept, if you can give an analogy or a story or a vignette that explains what you're talking about, that can be helpful. Ah. Yes, storytelling is very popular now, and very uh, mm -hmm. you'll find it a lot in in advertising, in books, in a lot of different places. Um, there's actually a man who's in Dallas, ATD, who mm -hmm. that's his specialty is story writing or storytelling. So if you can bring in a vignette or an example or a story, I think that, that helps. I agree with you. I, I've seen them used in sales copy too. Yes, definitely. Uh, recently. Mm -hmm. the, like the, the before and then the, the transformation, mm -hmm. the afterward kind of yes. thing in terms of of sales. What yes. kind of what kind of projects do you like to work on the most? What brings you the most joy? The um I like the actual ghostwriting projects where um I'm actually doing most of the writing and then the author and I will uh, work together to make sure they feel like I'm writing in their voice, that I've covered all the points they want me to and that so I really, I really like doing the ghostwriting, um, and that is the most fun when I have an author who's willing to sit down and really get clear around what's the framework of this book. I, some authors, you know, will get the framework set up, and then all of a sudden they want to add all these different and new ideas, and it's like we're going back to the drawing board. It's sort of like, you know, if you have your grandmother's favorite chocolate cake, 
there's a recipe, right? So if right. you want to alter the recipe, you don't just throw more salt in there or put some sprinkles on the top of it or something <laughs> like that. It really needs to be baked in there. So uh, so I, I would say what's most exciting is, is doing ghostwriting for an author who will let, you know, will stick to the plan up front. And um, that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes people don't think of, oh, I want to put this in here. So it's not impossible, but I, I really enjoy it when when I'm the one doing most of the writing and then the author and I collaborate on how we want to edit it or change it. And when you guys collaborate, and, and do you do a, like a full outline uh, in terms of the chapters and, and what order they would be in, or um, yeah. do you have core concepts and then work through those, build those out with the, that golden thread involved, of course, and then try to figure out where things go? How, do, how, how does the actual layout work? The actual layout works that we have an, an initial brainstorming meeting, and sometimes I do this with somebody who's already written a manuscript. I just did this maybe a month ago with a man who'd written a manuscript and he got stuck. So we went back to that uh, brainstorming, quote, organization meeting. And yes, what we do is, now I'm doing it over Zoom since I can't meet anybody in person. Mm -hmm. So what I will do is set up the Zoom where we can see my the wall where I put flip charts uh, pages with stickies in that and concepts. And so what we do is we, you know, we talk about what are the key concepts, and let me back up for a second. If this person has written blogs or has podcasts or whatever they have, I'm going to review as much of that as I can ahead of time. So I have a context for what this person is trying to say. So in this meeting, what we do is look at the key concepts and think about, okay, what are sub-ideas. Let's say one key concept is uh, know your true north. Okay, So what we're going to think of is what are stories from this author that we can put in there, um, what concepts we want in there. So we start with that brainstorming creative. Then after the meeting, I take what we've done in that meeting and put it into more of an outline format. Now, it's not like the outline you and I learned for our term paper, where it's Roman numeral okay. one, capital A, little, <laughs> yes. little. It's not like that. It's not that linear. But it's okay. more like um, here's the key concept theme for this chapter. Uh, and I actually have a form um, that I'd be glad to share with you if you want, where I put on the left side you know, uh, a heading, whatever the subtopic is for this chapter. And on the right side, then I would put in bullet points of things that we discussed in the meeting. Like we're going to um, tell the story, um, you know, like when you got lost. I will tell mm -hmm. this little story here real quick. So sorry, this is an aside. I wrote this book <laughs> for this man who was a naval aviator in the early 90s. Um, and he was actually a, a pilot for the Navy. It was the most fascinating book I've 
ever read, uh, ever worked on. So our, our deal was, what our topic was, what's your true north? And so um, in there we put a story about how one time after he'd finished finished his sortie or finished what he was doing, you know, um, they were on this, I don't know, I forgot what it's called, but it's a thing where they cannot radio the aircraft carrier to oh. get position. Oh, is it like radio They're, silence? Like, yes, like it's radio, radio silence, silence for okay. security purposes, you know. And mm-hmm. so he finished his thing and, you know, he and his uh, RIO, the guy sitting in the back of the plane, had to figure out where that ship was and they could not radio anywhere. And they were low on fuel. Oh, no. (laughs) So anyway, we made the point of knowing where that true north is helped them uh, make educated, guess educated calculations, I think is the way you put it, to get back to where they were trying to get to. But anyway. Wow. um, So that was an example of a story that fit and made the point, right? I got you. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so what we come up with is this, I'm going to call it a, I call it a framework because as I'm writing, I know more of the background of what's in that outline as I'm writing, so I'll flesh it out in that. And I might go back and ask the, the author, hey, I think we need to flesh out this concept a little bit. And so I'll email them some questions or get back on a Zoom and discuss those with them. So, so to answer your question, that, that first brainstorming meeting, what we're doing is thinking about how logically do we want to build this content or build this book um, to, to get the reader's attention and hold them engaged until mm-hmm. the end of the book. Um, and then we'll talk about what's the segue between this chapter, chapter one, and the next one just so we're thinking about what's the flow of the book. That said, there are times, once we get into writing it, we realize, oh, chapter four really should be chapter six. So so there's flexibility, but we start with a plan that says this gotcha. is the order that we're going to have this content, this is how we're going to build it in that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And I'm really glad to hear it wasn't the, the outline that we used for our term papers because I never really <laughs> embraced that one very well. <laughs> no, no, you know, and one, one other thing I try to get authors to think about is your brain likes patterns, you know, your brain likes habits, it likes patterns. So mm-hmm. um, I try to get them to think around, hey, do we want to start every every chapter with a story and then get into the content? Do we want to start every chapter with a quote that's poignant to what we're talking about? Try to get them thinking that way to um, to help people when they're reading. They're, it's really helping their brain. <laughs> they don't even realize it. Yeah, that makes it. sense. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen books like that, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Well, I, I, actually, I believe uh, in the time that I've known you, you've written several books, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then what's your most recent one? The most recent one is called The Flavors of Offense. Now, I'm not sure if, if people, well, anyway, that book came out of something I discovered one day when I was in church, believe it or not, and um, 
so the flavors of offense, the notion is, here's the thing, Cheryl, I'm not sure if people in corporate America realize that not taking offense could help them a lot. So that's, oh. that's why I hesitate around, I wrote this book for a webinar uh, I was doing, and I want to expand on the book and make it more for a, um, a secular audience, because I think the principles apply. Mm-hmm. What I figured, you know, I used to think getting offended meant you got your feelings hurt and you got fussy at somebody. And I'm like, well, I don't have that issue because I don't, I'm not, I'm not sensitive. I raised three girls by myself, so you know, <laughs> I had to be the solid one. And I'm just, I just don't take offense. I don't get my feelings hurt easily. Well, I found out that isn't the case. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> My flavor of offense, if you will, is getting annoyed with people. Uh-huh. And so I recognized, uh, I just started looking at different situations in my life, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I took offense there because I got annoyed with someone. Now, I might not have even said it to their face or expressed it, but what I recognized is how that would hold me back sometimes by, you know, being annoyed yes. that somebody didn't get what I was saying or, you know, anyway. So that one yeah. I'm planning to do as a, uh, you know, a book for uh, business uh, because that's that's one of my loves is helping small business owners achieve what they need to achieve and know how to, you know, be a small business owner and be successful. So I haven't done any, if you were, will market tests of that, you know, to say, hey, do you think that's interesting? The thing is, people might say no um, because they don't realize it could be helpful. So anyway, absolutely, I see. I definitely see the, the correlation <laughs> between corporate America and just. I mean, we say corporate America, but that's any business. You know, yes. it doesn't have to be the the ones with you know you know, 5,000 employees or whatever. It's it's the ones with 100 employees or even yes. four. Um, could right. be real. That book could make a real difference in some organizations and some people's yeah. lives. Absolutely. Yes. So I get on that, that Anne. I, I tell okay. that, could, that could really help a few people out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. I, let let me know when call, it's I, I may have to it. make you my accountability <laughs> partner. You know, things uh, get glad written when it. there's a deadline. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I've got just a few more questions for you. And one is, if you could take yourself back in time and knowing what you know now and what you're doing now and how much you enjoy what you're doing now, what would you say to younger Anne as guidance and to move her down the right path? I would say stick with what you're really good at and what you know you're good at. Um, Many times friends trying to help, you know, they tell you, oh, you should do this or that. And I'm pretty strong in in knowing what I want and what I want to do. But I just know that um, if I were more confident in my skill and ability and uh, talents and gifts when I was younger, um, I probably would have gotten out of commercial banking a lot sooner. <laughs> Uh, that isn't to say that, you know, 
that isn't to say that I was a flop at commercial banking. It's just I wasn't using the the gifts that God gave me. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, look at your gifts and stick with those. <laughs> I think you're right. I think in developing them further, you know, and polishing mm-hmm. them and honing them, um, I think absolutely right that – that yeah. I, and I'm one of those people who wants to learn a whole bunch of different things, and I, yeah, there, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not always sticking to that rule. <laughs> However, <laughs> I think that's good advice. I think I'm going to listen to what you you've told young yeah. Anne and uh, yeah, and uh, do that myself. <laughs> Great. So what's next for you? What's on the horizon? I know we're kind of in this strange time period right now, but assuming that we're not dealing with the the coronavirus and things mm-hmm. were whatever normal is, um, what is next on the on the horizon for you? Well, for this year, I have a, a number of manuscripts I'd like to finish for people, and that really ties into the fact that I believe as I help people finish these manuscripts. I am helping them influence the world in the way that they want to and uh, or or feel called to. And that's that's a real um, burning desire for me. So uh, fortunately, coronavirus really doesn't impact me that much because, um, you know, I find many clients on LinkedIn or through my network um, and – you know, I figured out how to do this, uh, you know, the initial meeting, the brainstorming meeting over Zoom. So uh, with technology um, and my good old Zoom account, <laughs> I found that that it, it really hasn't stopped me that much. Now, the one thing that has impacted some authors, I believe, is just concern for, wow, I'm taking money out of savings, you know, to write this mm-hmm. book. And so I think sometimes people lose track of the fact, well, why are you writing the book? It's a great way to make yourself the expert. And um, certainly with this, you know, so many ways we can publish a book anymore and promote it electronically in that um, or through the Internet, um, you know, I think that, you know, I just have to help people think about that sometimes. This is something that's going to mm-hmm. help your business because you can't you can't go out to the networking meeting <laughs> right now. Yes. So it might be a good time for you to write a book and and get the the message on paper. Absolutely, yes. Although I keep creating events to see people, so <laughs> I still get, I'm getting my people fixes. Just uh, no hugs involved because they're in little boxes on Zoom, like you said. So yeah, yeah I'm getting I'm getting my people fixed. But yes, well, um, so okay. So you've got manuscripts that are coming up this year. You're going to be working. I love the fact that you're going to help people get their message out into the world, and and I know it's going to be in a way that makes sense and that'll yeah. connect for people and really in the long run help their businesses so if one of our listeners has a book in them which many of them do i am quite yes. sure um i would imagine you might be willing to work with them yes i would <laughs> if, i'd love to work with them and how can they find you where would you how, how where should they look for you i think the best place to connect with me is on linkedin and i'm on linkedin as ann lovett L-O-V like Victor, E-excellent, T-Tango, T-Tango, 
Baird, B-A-I-R-D. So if you go and connect with me on LinkedIn, um, that's that's the best way to find me. Now I do I do have a website, um, but really LinkedIn is a better way to connect. The my email is Ann at loveitconsulting.com. My office phone number is 214-350-1696. And my cell or text is 214-707-8281. And if you do, send a te- um, if you do call my cell, I'd appreciate it if you text me ahead of time so I know who you are. Because Fair enough. <laughs> if you call me, I, I don't know if you're selling me whatever they sell you on your cell phone, everything. Um, uh, I'm getting a lot of calls for insurance right now. So, oh, interesting. Um, mm. But um, anyway, if you text me ahead of time, I do have a website. It's www.loveitconsulting.com. But uh, as I said, the best way to reach me is connecting on LinkedIn or emailing or calling me or texting. Terrific. And I just I just want to reiterate it's Ann A N N, not A N N E. My middle name my well my middle given name is Ann A N N E. So I just want to be clear for anybody. How many people who I've known forever? Will misspell my name A N N E, and I'm like, where did you get that from? But I, I guess <laughs> Ann with an E sounds more regal than just plain old E N N. But you don't pronounce it, so I'm really not sure what this perfect is. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ann, this has been really—I've I've taken notes throughout, and this has been huh. really helpful to me because I've learned a few new things that I'm going to put to use. There, I won't—I won't be using there is. Or it is uh, it, to start any sentences from now on. And if I see it, then I'm going to scratch it and start over. Yeah. Uh, so along with making sure I have that golden thread running throughout. Yeah. So I just want to thank you again for you sh- for sharing your expertise. It was really neat hearing from somebody who's a ghostwriter and what your experience is, you know, in working with authors. Um, I, I think that's just fabulous. It really is. Maybe for my next book, you and I will get together and at least help me with the brainstorming of the, the conceptual part of it. That would, would be terrific. Yeah, absolutely. So um, many thanks to you and many thanks to our listeners. You're welcome. And thanks to our listeners for um, tuning in this week. Our our guest has been Ann Lovett-Baird, as you've heard, and she will – I'm sure she'll be sharing this broadcast with her folks as well, the folks that run in her circles as well. So until next time, I hope that you continue to get the best results possible, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star rating and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To connect with me, Cheryl C. Jones, you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook by my name. Don't forget that Cheryl is spelled with a C-H and be sure to include my middle initial, the letter C. You're welcome to email me at Cheryl at simplythebestresults.com or visit my website of www.simplythebestresults.com for more information and inspiration. This has been a GSTBR production. 
created and hosted by me, Cheryl C. Jones, edited by Brandy Hockaday, and produced by Kathy Holscher. New episodes are available each Thursday on Apple, Stitcher, Spreaker, Google, and many other podcast directories. Thanks for joining us this week, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.